Hey, Dad. What, Jake? What did one elevator say to the other? I don't know what. I think I'm coming down with something. Oh. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Engage, a family gaming podcast. This is episode 143, and I am your host, Stephen Dutzman, as always. This is the official video game and board game podcast for EngageFamilyGaming.com. EFG is a website where parents like myself and my co-hosts come together to give parents and families the information they need to get their family game on. This week, it's Board Game Week, and I am joined by our board game editor, Linda Roble. How are you, Linda? I'm doing well. Hello, everyone. It's been a while since you've been on the show, so glad to have you here. Um, You and I took up one judging slot at the Connecticut Festival of Independent Games over this past weekend, um, and I thought that it would be a good idea for us to talk about our experience. That sounds great. So before we get too far into that... Um, I do want to thank our listeners uh, for listening this week. We hope the games that you've been playing have been great. Uh, We were judging um, an independent games competition, so we played a mixed bag, literally, uh, because some of them were great and others will probably never be published. Um, And that's okay. Um, But um, for you folks, we want to make sure this podcast is more interactive, so please feel to reach out to us on social media. Specifically, the best way to reach us, message us on our Facebook page. Um, And if you can't message us, um, like us there first, and then you can like and message us. That'll be great. Um, and uh, we'll you can provide us comments, questions, topic suggestions, etc. Um, to get to that Facebook page, go to facebook.com/engagefamilygaming. So um, as you all know, we alternate topics. Uh, last week was video games. Um, it was a really great interview with Khalif Adams of Spawn on Me. Um, I highly encourage. Um, even if you are not a video game person, I encourage you to listen to it, at least the beginning part. The reason for that, Khalif Adams uh, runs a podcast called Spawn on Me that focuses on uh, stories of gamers uh, from marginalized communities, be they African American or women or folks who may be having uh, disabilities, etc., and also, you know, he talks to other people who are concerned about those things as well. Um, he's very well spoken, um, and uh, he he and I are best friends now. Uh, is basically the rule. Um, so I definitely recommend giving that a listen, uh, throwing a like to Spawn on Me on various social media. Uh, we want them to feel the family gaming love. Um, so this week specifically, we're going to talk about board games. Now, normally this is the part where we would go around the horn. However, Linda and I together have not played a lot of board games recently. We're going to fix that because the kids are coming back from camp and they're done in with being in Maine. Um, so, um, so, but in the meantime, we did play a lot of games separately, at Connecticut Festival of Independent Games. Um, specifically, it was at Kineticon. Linda, this, to my understanding, is your first fan convention. Um, that you've been is to very B- true. You were at B-Fig with me last year, which is more or less a, a pure gaming convention. So there's not, like, cosplay there. Um, so you had to wait in line with a bunch of nerds to get in. I did. Um, Tell me I timed about it that perfectly, experience. Though. The... My line was actually very short. Uh, I was not there when the doors opened. I strategically timed it so I missed the initial rush. But there was still a fair number of uh, of people in line. 
uh, a mixed bag of cosplay and plain clothes or just fan gear. Uh, it was it was really fun to see. It was neat to see the diversity, the different characters, many of whom I had absolutely no idea who that they were. That was my question. How, yeah, I, so how many characters, can you name off a handful of characters that you did recognize? Um, now I have to remember who I saw. I did recognize a handful. Most of the characters I had no idea. I'm assuming they were most likely anime oh, definitely. characters. Um, which is why I did not have any knowledge of them whatsoever. Um, but I know I saw, um, oh goodness, now I'm drawing a blank. There were, I can say, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Um, but I definitely did see some characters that I knew who they were intending to be. Um, oh, I know there was a princess peach. Yep. Okay. Um, there was some, there was somebody as Mario from Mario Odyssey with the, the hat with the eyes, the cappy hat. Um, so there was some of the video game people I recognized. Um, but for the the vast majority of the characters, I had no idea. How funny is it that the characters you recognized were the video game characters? I just want to, <laughs> I just want you to like live in that in that space for a minute. Um, the best cosplay I saw uh, was a dude who had a handmade Iron Man helmet, complete with the mask that you could take off, kind of like Iron Man. You know how he gets in the movies, yeah. he take his mask off. That's really neat. Um, wait, I'm not done yet. Oh dear. Um, and he had uh one of them like hair nets on on the top of it like he was a cook and then he had a chef's jacket with the the iron man like the the arc reactor thing in the chest um and then um so he was the iron chef and it was amazing and i wanted to take his picture but i couldn't i couldn't i i he was so busy like running around like i didn't get to um yeah but it was amazing. He was the Iron Chef, and I loved every minute of it. Um, I was also wait. I waited in line in front of me were two women who were two of the Sailor Scouts from Sailor Moon. Um, okay. And behind me was Mister Incredible. Um. So it was it was it was very interesting seeing. You know, this was my first. Truth be told, this was one of my first pure fan conventions. I go to PAX a lot, and obviously there's a lot of cosplay at PAX. However. Um, it's it's a different kind of convention because I'm always there to go and just play the game. So a lot of times I'm not seeing cosplay. I'm seeing, you know, people in gaming t-shirts wanting to go and play games. Um, and the cosplay is like a separate thing, you know. But this was... A, it, there really isn't... A, it, that I saw, I mean, a lot of what to do is to go hang out with other cosplayers, take pictures, etc. Right. Um, with that said, that doesn't mean there's nothing else to do. We were there for a festival of independent games, so we had plenty of board games to play. And right on the other side of the curtain was the video game free play area, which, Linda, I don't know if you made it into that area. I passed through it to go to the restroom and to get food. Yes. But, um, yes, uh, it was a bit overwhelming. Again, not being a video gamer, I, I was trying to take it in. But it was it was a lot. I it mean, was neat seeing like, people doing like some of the dance games because those were over near the tables for yeah. food. So I was watching that when I had lunch. Um, I was trying to just kind of get a sense of it. But yeah. So uh, basically, to to set the table for everybody, and this is somewhat you know funny wording. Um, there were a bunch of just long tables uh, that probably about a hundred PS4s just spread throughout the, the room, um, all with small monitors, two controllers, um, every fighting game you could imagine. There was Super Smash Brothers up on a big projector screen, then it was just pick up and play. 
Um, and then beyond the free-to-play area, uh, the, like the console free-play area, there were a bunch of stand-up arcade games, all with rhythm games that were brought from, uh, many of which were from Japan. Um, so, you know, there were some of the rhythm, because rhythm games are not necessarily something you associate with arcades in the United States. However, in Japan, rhythm games are huge. And so there are some that we would, we've never seen, we will probably never see, um, but there they were. With one, the one that we would see very commonly in the United States, obviously, Dance Dance Revolution, uh, of which they had three machines. Let me tell you, I saw some people that knew their Dance Dance Revolution, um, and it was amazing. Um, and yeah, I, 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 this is one of those shows I'm looking forward to it next year because we really didn't plan like the, we didn't really plan around it this year. Um, I'm gonna definitely be going with the boys at least for part of it because I think they would lose their mind with some of those games. Um, but let's talk about the the uh, board game stuff. Um, because that's that really what good. we were there for. Um, Linda and I were a judge, meaning I played on Saturday because I was only there for one day, took notes, gave them to the head judge, and Linda picked up my slack on Sunday because I had to bring the boys to Boy Scout camp. Um, so let's just kind of go down. What was... Um, so both of us had different picks uh, for game of the show. Why don't we just talk about our favorite, and then we'll just go from there. What was the best game you played? Um, I think the best, well, there's, there's two different things. I had like the best, like finished game and I had the best prototype because there were a couple of games that were still in pretty early stages. Um, of the finished games, my favorite one that I played was Mission to Planet Hex, but of the prototypes, my favorite one was Bloom. Okay. So it's, it's in, in my mind, they're two distinct categories okay um so tell me about mission to planet x because i did not um i I did not play that game okay so mission to planet hex is with hex shaped cards and the cards are both your map and your actions okay and so you're going through you have um a hex that each player gets that has different tasks they need to complete. And basically it's some are things to collect, some are um, ac- events you need to collect, and it's not specific. It's any action card can fill the slot, any item card can fill the slot, any planet card can fill the slot. So they're, you're not looking for one specific card, you're looking for a type of card. Um, okay. And you'll get those in your hand, and you're traveling around, you're gathering what they refer to as data, and those are little clear cubes, and you get those for going to different planets, and there's other things on the cards that give you opportunities to gather these little data cubes. And okay. you cash in the cubes to get a, a slot filled on your task card. And once you fill in your card, the first person to finish the card wins. And it was a lot of fun to play. The game is recommended ages 10 and up, and I don't think this is one that would scale down very well, um, except to right. a very experienced child uh, who's grown up with gaming. Sure. Um, it's you can stack actions, and you know you can. The um, the designer was playing it with us, and he was intentionally trying to stack actions to show us some of the potential of the game. This is definitely a game that's never the same quite quite the same twice. Okay. 
because you're building the map from your hand, so the map is very random. There's cards that let you rearrange the map. I mean, it it was really interesting. Um, the the gameplay was fairly easy to pick up. Uh, the challenge was interpreting the different cards, and the descriptions okay. on the cards are v- relatively clear. But it's just there's a lot to a lot of different scenarios. So um, this is one that I think I'd be more comfortable if I played it a couple times. It's not one that I felt really comfortable walking away from that I could just go teach it now. Uh, it was a little complicated, but I could see it being one that with some practice you'd be more comfortable. Okay. But it was a lot of fun. You enjoyed it. Well, I mean, I did. You know, you don't normally like crunchy games with a lot no. of, you know, you. I mean, and and that they're. I mean that not in a pejorative way. You prefer generally more casual games because you yes. like to play while you know chatting and you know things like that, right? Um, I am largely the same way. Um, I just am totally fine playing you know super crunchy games and just playing them casually because I'm terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a competitive streak. I know this. Um, so uh, if you were playing like Scythe, you, I know that you would be very focused. Um, well, I was focused enough. I did win the game. Well, there you go. There's that. I mean, good demo or etiquette. Um, you beat him. That's true. So um, I'm interested in this, but um, let's talk about Bloom, though, because yes. you and I both had very strong opinions about Bloom. Um, funny story about Bloom. Uh, it's being made by Yana Guana Games, who we have talked about before. Uh, they do rec- they did Record um, and a few other smaller games. Um I think Bloom is going to be their first real big hit um, when it is done. Um, if they made it, if they published it tomorrow, as they let me play it, I would buy it. I agree. I would do the same, and that's something that I might have stated to multiple people. Yeah, I mean, they could, if they sold it to me now, I would as buy it. So, um, tell me the elevator pitch for Bloom as they told you. So with Bloom, there are flower tiles, and you're basically getting one-fourth of a flower on each corner of the tile. And at the beginning of the game, each player builds a stack of tiles mm-hmm. from the pool, and you don't use the whole pool of tiles, at least in the, the, with the way we played it. Um, and once you get all your tiles arranged in these nice two little towers, then you have two minutes to build a four – I think it's a four-by-four four grid – Correct. Of flowers, and you're trying to build complete flowers. And every time you build a complete flower, you put a B on the center of the flower to mark it. And there's negative points if there are bugs on the flowers. Um, so that was, I think that's basically the summary yeah, of the game. That's it. The idea it's, is you're trying to build simple. a, the way they pitched it to me is, um, that you're trying to build a flower garden to attract bees. Okay. So um, you are, you know, the flowers are on tiles. And like Linda said, you know, and there's a picture on our Instagram. So just go to Instagram.com slash Engage Family Gaming. Scroll down a bit. You'll see it. It is impossible to miss because it's the prettiest picture I've taken in quite some time. Um, and you're collecting these tiles. Um, it's a draft format where you're, there are certain that are available and you're taking not only for yourself, but to kind of hate draft on your opponents, that type of deal, to, to build a pile of 16 um, tiles, two stacks of eight, and then you are, one at a time, picking up tiles from your two different stacks and building a four-by-four four row. Um, 
in its current state, once you pick up a tile, you have to place it. You can't fiddle things around. You're not playing Boggle, right? You have to. You're you're basically playing Lanterns by yourself. Um, Linda, I don't think you've played Lanterns. Have you played Lanterns? I have once, quite a you while. Played ago. Lanterns once. Um, don't you own Lanterns? I do. It's still in the shrink wrap. Yeah. Welcome to <laughs> welcome to being a board game fan. Um, it was here's. I know why you have it because it was on a really good sale, and you were like, when "Hey, we were a year is ago, this be good?" Fake. And I was like, "Yeah, it's a really good sale. You should probably get it." Yes. Um, welcome to being a board game fan. Um, yep. But the fact that it's still in shrink is good. We should do an unboxing video of it. Um. So, um, just because why not, right? Um. So you're playing lanterns by yourself. Um, and it's, you know, I enjoyed myself a lot. Um, some of the feedback that we got from some of the other judges was that it needed some more design time. It wasn't ready Mm -hmm. for prime time, needed a little bit more, a a few more development passes. And you know what? I say to them, you're probably right because I think everything could use more design time. I mean, it was a handmade prototype that we were playing with. However... If they sold that to me there and said, "Hey, we'll play. We, you can have this game for twenty bucks," I would have bought it. No questions asked. Absolutely. My understanding is that the base format of the game is more or less settled upon. Uh, I'm sure they're still going to tweak it, but that what they're trying to develop now is variants of the game. And so it was neat. I got to talk to the developer a little bit and uh, kind of brainstorm a little bit. And I know he was seeking out thoughts. And opinions from people that played it to perhaps derive some variance for this as well. Yeah, the um, the one piece of feedback I gave him because um, you know the bees are supposed to visit visit the four x four garden. Um, they have these neat bee tokens. One of the things that happened is if you make a tie, a, a group of four and create a flower and you don't immediately put a bee on it, you lose the points. Um, they, and you have to do that during the two minutes. And I told him that I hated that because I do. Um, I hate missed triggers being a penalty um, because it's oftentimes, especially in a game where you are racing, feels like an unnecessarily punch in the head. Um, hopefully that gets removed. Um, cause that, and truth be told, if it's not removed in my house, it, it will could be, be house removed. rules. Um, yeah. Because I don't like missed triggers. Um, I don't, and part of that is because I have trouble focusing. So for me... I will just lose to other more focused people. Period. The end. Um, Mm -hmm. And he and I played, and both of us missed one B. Oh, wow. So we both lost five points. So we both felt bad for missing points, but Mm -hmm. it didn't change the game at all because we both missed at the same number. Um, Mm -hmm. And I could totally imagine, you know, especially like a kid, you know, I can picture Evan playing – um, and losing because he forgot to place a B, and that felt that would feel real bad, right? Um, especially after you know drafting the tiles correctly and mm-hmm. going through the the way of you know like playing you know building out the the flowers. I think it just feels mm-hmm. like an unnecessarily an unnecessary punch in the gut, um, right? So um, so that's Bloom. Uh, funny story: uh, the game was originally going to be named Son of a Bee. Oh, um, and um, I think that's amazing. However, this game is de- is being deliberately designed to be marketed to families. Yes, um, and Bloom and is a much better title Bloom for that audience. Better, it's, now it's not B L O O M; it is B L U M E, which is a German word. Um, 
I'm not sure what it means. Do you know what it means? Did they tell you? I'm gonna look. No, it up. I didn't. I'm gonna look it up. I just you know, know my that first it's thing German. when I saw it was my first thing when I saw the spelling is oh. uh, Judy Bloom, okay, the no. author. B l u m e in German means flower. Ah, that makes sense. Sounds great to me. That sounds awesome. Almost sounds like they're getting ready for some speed of the shower kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, not that I think mm-hmm. it's gonna ready for that, but you know what? Um, Who knows? With the, with the right kind of polish, I can absolutely mm-hmm. see it, um, and that would be awesome. Um, yeah. So that is Bloom. Now I'd like to talk about a game that I, um, I hate to like punch down on games, but I do want to talk about New to Newberg. Okay. So I want to talk about this. It is possible that these guys will listen to this to this podcast because you know what have you. Um, this is I, I'm gonna. This is gonna be uh, story time from Mr. Steve. Um, so this is the thing. Two super enthusiastic young. I mean, they had to have been in their early twenties. Game designers. This is a game design that was six months old. Oh boy. Um, so it was. Uh, it was not ready for prime time. It probably were it by were it up to me because I actually didn't participate in the early judging. I don't even know for certain that it was ready for the showcase. And this is why. The design was rough. Um, and they have a product that because of the way they made it, um, it's going to be really hard to turn it into a commercial product. Um, because, um, you know, it's a series of t- – it's a tile-laying game while you are exploring a town that you just moved to. Which, by the way, I love that theme. I want to be very clear. The theme of you just moved to a new town and you are exploring it is awesome. Like, I think that is a super cool um, theme, Um, and it's a tile-laying game, so you're taking out these big tiles with parts of the town on it and putting them down. I think that's awesome, also. Um, However, the way that they have created the game, this thing's going to have to be, like, 60 bucks. Oh, jeepers. And I'm not paying 60... Like, if I'm going to pay 60 bucks for a game, I'm going to buy Terraforming Mars, or I'm going to be almost all the way to buying Scythe. You know, I could have bought Scythe on sale today on Prime Day. Spoilers, we're recording on Tuesday. It's the second day of Prime Day. I could have bought Scythe today for like 70 Like 60 to 70 not a big jump. I would have bought it if I was going to spend that much money on a game um, today, right? And that's Scythe. Um, you know, the Kickstarter, the Kickstarter for Fireball Island was $60. So to give some reference... Now, um, I th- the good news is, I think, and this is one of the things that I think is really interesting, and there's a lot of folks that listen to this show, um, there's a lot of kids that want to be board game designers, video game designers. Um, here is my, uh, the cautionary tale. Um, listen to feedback, which the good news is, these folk, these two, a young lady and young man, I don't remember their name, unfortunately, um, they were super enthusiastic, super excited to hear f- advice and feedback. Um, the what I would caution people is um, to you know like if you're gonna get into this um, having a unique theme is awesome but um, don't listen to your mom unless they're a game designer because um, they had a spinner for movement because the core of the game was Generate a random number for movement, move that many spaces, place a tile. Or place a tile and move that many, you know, roll, 
place a tile, move. Which by itself is a weird order. But um, they used a spinner. And I said, why are you using a spinner? And they said, because it would be more child-friendly. And I said, but is this game for toddlers? And they said, no. But we're worried about people who are... But my mom suggested that we use a spinner because there are times when pe where people might be playing with older kids who might have younger siblings. And, my, and so... Um, the problem is, um, and we can ask the Fire Tower folks all about this, spinners suck. Um, and we play, we use them for shoots and ladders because shoots and ladders has a spinner. And if they put dice in shoots and ladders, people would revolt. Because that's shoots and ladders. You have a spinner. That's just what you use. Um, even though virtually anything else would be better for shoots and ladders than a spinner. Um, so... Um, I actually think shoots and ladders would be better with like three d6 and you know three six sided die and letting you choose one of the three or two of the three whichever one you want that would make it a better game but the spinner is bad tell me that actually would be pretty good if you use three dice and you could either add them all up add two of them up you know now I kind of want to try that because we have a Spider-Man shoots and ladders sitting I buried in a cabinet be, of shame I bet you it would be really good the game would be faster. And kids could figure out which path they wanted to take because they get to make we choices. We could scale that. I've got like all of the different. Yeah, we'll do that later. Die. We'll we do need that to do that. But that needs spinner, to be a thing. Put a pin in that. But the spinner sucks. Yes. Um. So anyway, that it's new to Newberg was the game. It was in the showcase. Listen, if you are listening, guys, this game the they were going to go to Kickstarter in September. Guys, don't do it. Wait. Go to go to Kickstarter September of 2019. And here's why. You are young. You are... just Listen, Spider-Man comes out September. You want to be playing Spider-Man. You do not want... You know, like, enjoy your time. Um, give this a million more development passes, etc. Um, because I think New to Newberg, for me, had the most potential. They just... Because the theme is so cool. I think they just need to explore it more. You know what I mean? Yep, bring it to Unpubs, bring it to Bfig, bring it wherever you can to get playtesters and eyes on it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm very curious what Matt Fantastic said to them. Because to he, be a fly on the wall for that conversation. He's a judge. Yes. And he's also a game design teacher who teaches at Quinnipiac University. Now, Matt Fantastic, he was one of the judges. He was the head judge. Um, he's a teacher uh, of game design at Quinnipiac University. He's actually leaving to go to San Diego Comic-Con, um, which is this weekend, to... Um, run panels about board game design and things like that. Like he knows his stuff. Board gaming is his thing. Um, I am man. Do I wish that I heard um, what he said? So anyway, so that's new to Newberg. Let's talk about clear the decks because you played clear yeah. the decks last year, and I played clear the decks this year. Um, I got the elevator pitch last year. I didn't actually get oh, to sit down it? and play. Okay. No, I played it. No. It's on Kickstarter right now. In fact, let's look and yes. see how it's doing. Last um, time I looked, it was like twenty-seven percent, I think. But I have that's not looked. bad for day one. Um, but let's see what we're gonna do. Because the reality is, here's the thing: if your game's not gonna, yeah, it's eighteen percent funded. That's not terribly oh. good. Um. Okay, so let's talk about clear the decks. But he's really the the key is he's only trying to get to eight thousand dollars. Right, he needs, he's really one, yeah, one eighth of the way because he's over a thousand. Yeah, I think he needs to get, in order to make it so that he's not in trouble. I think he needs to get to about eleven or twelve. 
Um, but if this doesn't accelerate relatively soon, I think he will very likely um, bail and, um, you know, try again. But mm-hmm. the... Um, so anyway, he is... So Clear the Decks is a game fir- like firmly entrenched in the Age of Sail. Specifically, it's... Um, its inspiration came from the game designer Chris watching Master and Commander. Um, it is not a pirate I mean, game. No. Very definitively not a pirate game. What you are is just a cooperative game where you are it's ship to ship combat, but it's cooperative. One to four players. Um, and um, you are working together You and you have three different sized cannons on your ship. Uh, an 18-pound, a 24-pound, and a 36-pound, which is accurate. Um, and the goal throughout the process, and this is something that really struck me as I was playing through my demo and as I listened to him talk to me and some other judges, because I actually was able to play in a demo with a couple other judges, which was a rare treat um, to be able to sit back. Um, his main goal was to play through the game um, and... Uh, he, as he was designing it, he wanted to make sure that each step of playing through the game really had that historical flavor. So the guns are accurate based on the kinds of the weights of cannonballs that were used. The different mm-hmm. ammunition that that, that that you have, you know, be it you know chain shot or grape shot or. You know, right? You know, round shot. Like mm-hmm. those are the the double shot thing, which is you know using two p you know two bags of gunpowder, stuff like that. Those are right. all accurate things that were done. There were strategies that were used, um, and his um, and there are even you know there there are crew cards that kind of change the way that the, the the ships work and things like that. Um, it is very flexible. Um, there is a, uh, there's, there's actually a version for younger kids where there's, uh, where there's fewer objectives to complete, which I think is super neat. Mm -hmm. Um, this is one of those things that I, um, if you are a fan of that era, that age of sail, you know, not pirates, but sailing and exploration, um, and that kind of ship to ship combat, this game I have never been on one of those ships in a cannon fight. Forgive me. Um, but as far as I can estimate, it's a pretty accurate representation, which I think is very cool. Um, so um, this is, I mean, this is it's a game that I hope to see funded. I want to see it successful. Maybe it's going to take a couple campaigns. That's okay. Because um, what I'm starting to find is campaigns, like if they start, and they don't get the momentum that they need, they'll cancel um, and then relaunch sometimes even a month later, like with some stuff cleaned up. Uh, so that might be what he's doing. I don't know. Um, but yeah, Clear the Decks was cool. So, I mean, it's very, it's a little bit different now than what you saw because they made some updates to my understanding. Yes. From what I saw last year, there definitely was some refinement. He definitely was tweaking it and, and dialing it in much more polished. Yeah. So it's much more polished at this point. Um, the detail that he put into it, he, we sat and um, I got to sit with him for a while 
Um, and we really talked about some of the nuances of the, the cards. There's flags on the cards, and all of the flags have nautical significance, and they tie in. And I mean, you can really, if if this is your wheelhouse, no pun intended, the, you know, you really could go and see all these details and really get, you know, he he really put a lot of effort into the historical accuracy of this. Um, and he also made the point to say it's a nice tie-in that if the theme of the game interests you, it might draw you into reading the book. So there might be that literature connection, um, or it could work the other way. If you like those kind of books, the Master and Commander series, this might be a natural direction to go in. That's absolutely, that absolutely is his goal. Um, he wanted to try and, you know, especially with some of his marketing, like he really is a aiming towards those uh, niche populations. I mean, the reality is he doesn't need to... Um, you know, he doesn't need to sell 20,000 copies in order for this game to be a success. Um, so here we go. I mean, that's Clear the Decks. Uh, if you're interested in it, um, you can head to Kickstarter, search Clear the Decks. Um, we're going to have a, um, a, a FAQ that's going to uh, get published on Friday. So if you want to look at that, so the same day this is published, um, the podcast is, you'll be able to head on over to engagefamilygaming.com and take a look at that. Um, so let's think about some of the other games. What was another game that you played, Linda? Um, another one that I played, um, I played a, a game that I actually was able to purchase. It was a finished game um, called Pigment. This was on Kickstarter previously, um, successfully funded. It is an Italian Renaissance th painting theme, so it actually uses artwork from the era, mm -hmm. And um, you go through, and the the story behind it is that you are an artist, and you're sending your minions out to go gather you paint, and you need a certain combinations of paint for each painting. And when you gather the correct pigment color, pig, uh, pigment uh, cubes, that you can cash them in, and then you successfully complete your painting. And uh, I believe it's six six painting completions. Um, is what you need to win the game. Okay. Very light, very easy. It's uh, a one to three player game. Um, really pretty. It's beautiful because you have the artwork from the Renaissance okay. incorporated into uh, the cards. Um, so that okay. was fun. It's nice and light. So that was one that I, I ended up picking up. And that company actually has an active Kickstarter now, a little bit different. They're uh, featuring... Uh, wooden meeples. They have a Kickstarter that is Meeple Machine. And okay. so actually as a bonus for buying their game at the show, I got six handcrafted wooden meeples of different colors, which was really neat. Okay. So, um, and that fun, the Kickstarter that they have now for the meeples, I think actually might have already funded. Let me take a quick peek. But it's beautiful. Out of, uh, made out of, uh, made in Vermont. They have these beautiful wooden meeples of different wood types and stains. And They absolutely do. They are really nice. So He actually said we should reach out to them because you know, they were um, thinking of, uh, you know, they were offering, you know, if we wanted to do custom meeples for giveaways and things like that, they would work with us. Um, I don't know if they want to work with our budget of zero. However... Um, <laughs> You know, um, we'll figure it out. Yep. Um, uh, yeah, their Kickstarter runs to the end of this of July, and yeah, they are funded already. So. Speaking of funded, how about that? The freaking edible cookbook—they did it. I told yes. her she was going to do it. I told her she was going to be fine. Um, the edible games cookbook uh, from a few weeks back. Um, she 
Jen thought that it was not gonna that it was she was um, she was not ready to get excited yet. And I understand as someone who constantly worries. Linda has dealt with that for me for literally our entire relationship. Um, she knows that I worry <laughs> all the time, even when it is very much not necessary. Um, it's true. But the the uh, the the upside to that is my worry generally makes me more cautious and plan more carefully. That's why I do it. Um, but she was just being just crazy uh, and not being excited about the fact that she was going to make it. She was like thirty percent to go, and there was like seventeen days left. And I was like, No, 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 girl. Don't, listen, nothing's. You're in the plateau, and you're going to get a whole ton of it at the very end. That's the graph. Everything's fine. You're on target. And she was like, no, 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 I don't know. Yeah, well, I'm right. She made it. Yep. She made it. So um, y'all are going to be able to get the uh, Edible Games Cookbook, um, which is very exciting. So head on over and pick that up. Um, I don't think I don't, I don't think we're going to be able to back it. I feel kind of bad, uh, but we just don't, I just don't think it's, it's a lot of money. Uh, it is. It's for me. It's, but yes. But for the right folks, sixty dollars to back in at the physical version, which is what I would want. Um, and I just can't swing that right now because Spider Man is coming, and I have to save my pennies for Spider Man. Um, Linda's looking at me through the Skype window, all judgy. Um, no, I'm you, laughing because I might have shared that Kickstarter with some friends that I thought might be interested in buying it, so I don't have to. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, I, 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 I might tag some people with fingers crossed that they might find it intriguing and, well, and back it. Listen, I knew what you were doing. I'm not stupid. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about some more games. Um, so, um, let's talk about a game that's actually out. Um, because the Kickstarter is done, and that's Shadow Strike Melee. Both of us have played this. We actually yes. did a Kickstarter key preview of this game uh, mm -hmm. before the Kickstarter happened. It is done. Um, Shadow Strike Melee. It is. Um, it sure is a card game. Um, it's Shadow Strike Melee by uh, Pure Fun Games. Is a um, you know it's not gonna set the world on fire. I don't think. Um, however, it is a multiplayer card game uh, where you are ninjas trying to defeat each other. And the big difference is you can't see your cards. That's that's the trick. It's kind of like Hanabi in that way, although I don't like to compare anything to Hanabi because I hate that game. Um, and if you love Hanabi, um, I still like you, but fight me. That game is terrible. Um, and yeah, I know it won a Spiel des Jahres or whatever. I, I hate it. Um and maybe maybe I hate it because I'm stupid and that's fine but so I do struggle a little bit with um, Shadow Strike Melee I preferred their miniatures game because the idea of mini of like ninjas running around on a map um, and like eating candy to get more moves and like you know stupid stuff was just amusing to me I like absurd things um, Linda knows this um, what did you think of Shadow Strike Melee because a ninja a ninja card battling game to me, is the least Linda board game ever. Oh no, made. there was there was a least Linda card game that I played later in the show. All right, we gotta um, talk about. The, that I will next. talk about later. Um, but no, because of the format, because it was just battling cards in the format that it was, um, and I have not played Hanabi yet. Interesting thing, I actually got it as a white elephant gift, okay. so I actually own it, but have not played it yet. Um, but I did actually, I enjoyed the gameplay. 
um, because it, there is hidden information from you. You have your cards face out, but there are certain elements, there are certain events in the game that will have you turn cards face in, so you have some information. Yes. Which I kind of like that. Sometimes you know, sometimes you don't. Um, yeah, so, so when it's you a get... catch-up mechanic, right? Like as exactly. you get beat up, you get more information. You, you get to flip your card and you get more information, mm-hmm. which is I liked. Um, and because you can talk to each other, it's like I had a feeling that I had a better card because one of them was like, uh-oh, and, you know, so it was it was a fun social dynamic with it. Um, of all the things, and this won't surprise you, the artwork bothered me. Yeah. It, I thought it was, I mean, it's a, it's a 10 plus 8. It, it was crass. I don't know. I, I found it crass. I found it, you know, I mean, one of them is, you know, just the injuries as the card value increase the injuries are more extreme and it's i mean some of them were kind of cute but some of the injuries were very obvious and i just i think yes i think they were juvenile and just it that honestly bothered me more than the mechanics if the artwork was different i think i would have liked the game a lot more and even perhaps taken it home but the artwork turned me off completely okay i get it so yeah Um, knowing me knowing knowing how um (laughs) so they gave me a copy uh, so I have one. Um, okay. So, uh, and we'll be, you know, taking some pictures and doing unboxing. And, you know, I will be doing a full review of the game because before it was just a Kickstarter preview. So we're going to be doing more coverage for the game um, soon. You know what? It's it, not a bad game. It's, it's just sure, not. It sure I... is a card game. It's really yes. what it is. It's a card combat game. This is one of those things that um, it's, I don't think it's going to be a bestseller, right? Um, but I think that it's going to get in the hands of some game groups. It's going to fall flat. Um, and I think it's going to... Because because that's just what happens with any game, right? Uh, but I think it's going to get into some game groups, um, especially game groups that love, like, kind of goofy ninja combat. Like, that... It's going to click with the right people, and it's going to be that game group's go-to for a while. Um, and I think that's awesome. It's perfect for a small card game. This is one of those games that you can pick up, and it's just there for a while. Um... I like the catch-up mechanic. I think that is an... This is what I really think. I, I hope that they make another one. Um, you know, Shadow Strike Melee okay. Part 2. Well, they did say they, they're hoping to make a board game version of the game, and maybe that's the one that you had seen. I thought I... I mean, I played a, a miniatures combat game I, I, from that style. With that said, the it was incredibly complicated, so it could very okay. well be that they said, you know what, let's just make a card combat game so that we can actually finish a game. Um, yeah, you know, I think they've gone back to the drawing board. Yeah, and you know what? Maybe we'll have that, have you know somebody from the show from them uh, that from Pure Fun on the show at some point to talk about it. The reality is, I and I understand that the art was not your jam, um, because and that's okay because you that's me you, you don't like crass humor in general, um, which amuses me that I'm that we're friends, but because um, I actually liked the crass humor, um, but I think that, that again, this is just a demonstrating that different people, subtle differences can make a difference for any game group. Right. Um, so that is Shadow Strike Melee. I mean, I liked it, but... I'll still go play it. That's not going to stop me from playing it, but it's one... I'm not going to go buy You're it, not gonna but grab I... it. You're not going to grab it from the pile first. Um, no. But I wouldn't say no if if you said, hey, let's go play this, you know, when we played it with the kids, that would be fine. Yeah, exactly. I think this is, realistically, this is the kind of game that in like two years when, um, 
you know, like we have all where our four boys are all like kind of in the sweet spot. This feels like the kind of game that they would play. Um, oh, absolutely. Because, you know, it's goofy, it's stupid. Um, you know, they can talk about whatever Fortnite variant is out at that point. Um, <laughs> you know, like, they and and they can mess around and play, and, you know, me and John could get in and, and play with them. Um, I kind of think of it like Pooh. Did, you never got to play Pooh, but Pooh is the game about the oh. monkeys. No, I have not played that each other. Yeah, no, I had... Um, no, I did not play that Which one. Is definitely not <laughs> your game. Definitely not me. <laughs> um, but man, is Pooh good? Pooh also. Um, spoiler. <laughs> here's an interesting factoid. Pooh is a really good game for learning Magic: The Gathering. Um, if you, but because I know you talked about that, and you're going to have to learn now. Um, I apparently have to. Yep. But can we skip doing that as the stepping stone? <laughs> yeah, I'll just teach you. I'll just teach you Magic because you're not dumb. It's fine. Um, magic is not that hard. Um, it, it sounds way more, anyway, we'll talk about that. We're going to have a whole, we're going to, I'm going to teach you and then we're going to have a whole podcast episode where we talk about me teaching you magic. Um, so I want to talk about yards, a game of inches. Okay. Everybody knows I'm ramping up for football season, tramping, uh, tramping camp. That's, I'm sure that's a thing, but not what I'm talking about. (laughs) Training camps have opened. (laughs) Um, Rob Gronkowski has decided not to retire. Everybody knows that makes me very excited. Um, And if you don't, that means you don't like football, and that's okay. Um, I really love football. Fantasy football is coming. And I was really excited at the idea of a football board game. I have wanted to find a football board game for a while. And so I came here. I saw Yards, a game of inches, and I was like, yeah, that looks like a football game. And I played it, and it wasn't football. Um, and here's why. It did not follow football rules. It followed the flow of football um, to a degree. Like, I understood how it was abstracting the game of American football. To be specific, I know it's World Cup season just coming to an end. We're talking American football. Um, it abstracts the game just enough um, because there are no downs. This is... Um, it's sudden death overtime. You're playing cards and you know moving your players around. Um, I thought it was very neat. Um, I was kind of bored with it while playing it um, until it was done. Um, and then one of our fellow judges gave some advice that to me that I think makes total sense, and that is that they should go back to the drawing board and make it not a football game. They should make it their own game. At which point, I was all in on that. I almost feel like I want to buy it and then reskin it myself. Um, Because it really is a different game that they could totally just make and do whatever they wanted with. Um, So this is a game that, I mean, it's it's in its final version. I mean, they had boxes and all sorts of stuff. I think I could have even bought it. Um, If you like football games, I guess this is probably one that is worth looking at. However, um, you know, it made me sad. It did. It made me sad because I wanted to love it. I wanted to love it, right? Like I wanted to come home with a football game. Um, but it didn't – it just didn't happen. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when they were explaining it to me, I didn't get a chance to sit down and play it. Um, I didn't get over to them till the very end of the show, okay. and there wasn't time. But they were running me through the – how to play I got the elevator pitch. And as they're explaining it, I could see the football elements. And I'm familiar enough with the game that it made sense. But, um, yeah, I, I think absolutely that needing a, a new game 
Yeah. Having a new frame around a new skin, I think, would make a world of difference because it just it was football-ish or football light. Yeah, pretty much. So. Um, so, so that is yards a game of inches. Mm-hmm. Um, what else did did you? Uh, you want me to talk like about this? the uh, the coloring card game? Yeah, let's talk Patrol. about Patrol, a coloring because I am super confused by this. You described yes. it to me. It won an award. I did not see it. I didn't know it was there, and I'm very confused. Okay. Teach me, so, a wise one. <laughs> I will do my best because even playing the game, I will be honest, I was very confused. It was a combat card game. Um, okay, he had I'm the in. cards out. <laughs> yes. Um, and perhaps because I'm not as savvy with that, I found it more confusing. I also jumped in without watching it ahead of time, and the gentleman I was playing against had been watching for a while so thankfully he walked me through and was very very sweet and when i was highly confused he basically told me what to do okay um there's different cards there's um and i actually have some samples of the cards so you know this is something we could actually play around with um if you wanted to since i know how much i have have you actually have he gave you cards I have, yeah, he had them out on the table for people. He had a giant stack for people to take. And um, so there's different um, numbers on the cards, and those are both your how much damage you do and your health. So it's one number, which makes it simple, which I like. Um, There's different kinds of – so there's a thief, a scrapper, amateur, duelist, savage, spy, bard, priest, and magician. Um, So those are the different um, classes of characters. And so you're – combating each other and as they are you could print them out right now play it without doing anything else and so you're battling and who has a higher basically flip um so the way it is you put your cards face down i can know what my cards are yeah and then you're going to say okay i'm going to attack this card and you point to a card and they flip it over and then you have to see if who has the higher points and there's different skills on the cards as well that can make special effect um effects for different things what the coloring aspect does is there's a whole chart Different colors give you one additional skill or ability. Okay. So it's pink card always has whatever that ability is. It's a consistent thing. So once you see that color and you know them comfortably, you see the color, you automatically know what the additional skill is. Okay. So basically you have to customize your deck because you can color any card any color. So it gives you this customizable element. And this customi- the ability to customize your deck in this unique fashion is why he won the award for uh, most innovative. Because it's a different thing you don't typically see in games. Okay, yeah. No, this, sounds, so. this sounds super rad. Um, I wonder if it is on BoardGameGeek. I'm going to look so, it up right now. While you're looking it up, so the starter deck was funded successfully on Kickstarter. There are 36 cards in the starter deck. Um, he is hoping to have a Kickstarter in September for a full card deck of 90 cards. Oh. So it is something that has had some legs to it and already has some su- successful funding. Okay, so let's see what we and can find. So the other thing that was interesting is his um, internet identity is Adam the Impaler. Apparently he's done a whole comic series, which he fully disclosed is not family friendly, though he's talking about doing some new things that are for all audiences, or at least for more audiences than his current uh, repertoire. Yeah, there we go. Adam the Impaler presents Power Patrol. So it was originally Power Patrol, and then... Yeah, he read... Yeah. 
looks like he re renamed it. Yeah, well, I mean, and it funded his his goal was a hundred bucks. So this was so a my- um, this was a very you know yeah this was a pretty neat little game right here. I kind of dig it. So you call, so you so the, so the cards come black and white. Yep. And over time, you color them, and by coloring them, that changes like their powers and stuff. It adds a power. It does not change what's on the card. It adds another thing. And what's neat is on the card themselves, you can there's a spot underneath the number where you can actually write in some different abilities. So it's it's noted permanently on the card. This so is, this it, is really cool looking it's, stuff. I think for people that like card battling, this is this is a really neat different game. That's this is not my style of game that I am comfortable with. So I will be very honest. I was incredibly awkward playing this and didn't understand what I was doing. Um, the the gentleman, like I said, that I was playing against was super super nice and you know made it as easy as he could for me. Um, but I think for someone that enjoys this style of game, really cool, really unique. No, I agree. This is pretty rad. I'm um... so he's the artist. Yes. That's why he, he was is... able to keep his funding goal so low because he didn't yeah, have he's to doing pay himself for the art. Yep. Um, he's doing everything himself. Yeah, you know, this is pretty rad. Um, you got his business card, right? Oh, yes. All right. So we'll... I got all of the things and all of the contacts and yeah. the swag. He was giving away all kinds of little swaggy things. All right. So. Well, we will be talking with him because this sounds pretty rad. Um, and I want to um, I want to take the cards so that I can uh, have Jenna color them because I'm bad at it. Um, <laughs> so, man, this is pretty uh, – so that's Patrol, a coloring card game. Interestingly enough, he's not on um, – he's not on Board Game Geek. Um, if you're listening, <laughs> sir, go get on Board Game Geek um, because – because uh, I don't know how I mean his well his first pot, his first thing wasn't all that big, um, but man yeah get on board game geek because um, you have a really it's a really interesting concept. Um, yes. Speaking of really interesting concepts, and I think this will probably be the last game we talk about. Um, let's talk about Life Siphon. Um, okay. Life Siphon was the runner up. Um, the winner was well you know what let's talk about the, the winner first and then we'll talk about life siphon so the winner game of show was called that's wizard that is a game that i did not get a chance to play however um i will be playing it at bfig which means linda will likely be playing it at bfig um which is september 29th by the way in case you want to put it on your calendar linda okay. um so um and i'm gonna bring and uh, jenna's gonna come that way no one will be confused uh anymore um they'll just have even more <laughs> weird confusion about uh our relationship um i guess i have to bring john is that what yeah, you're telling me you could if you want i mean he does work um so um the so um so that's wizard here's what here's the pitch guys it is not Harry Potter. I promise you, it is not Harry Potter. But it is, though the designer looks like Harry even Potter. Even though the designer definitely looks like Daniel Radcliffe. He really, really, really does. He really does. Um, but um, it is a, it's not Harry Potter, I promise you. But only because they can't be Harry Potter. Um, because it is a two-player wizard dueling game. And you're casting spells and, you know, throwing hexes and doing all sorts of stuff. Um, it's a two-player wizard dueling game. I mean, come on. It's, 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 if they had the Harry Potter license, this thing would already have sold pre-orders like millions. 
Um, so I have not played it, although I am excited to do so because I do enjoy one-on-one -on -one card battle games. Um, I like Magic. I like Pokemans. Um, I like Pooh. Um, and I am going to probably very much like that. Like that's wizard is in my wheelhouse so hard. Um, it doesn't Another reason know. you need to teach me battling card games more. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not realistically, here's the thing. If you're learning, because the, the, the reason we, we tell these jokes folks is behind the scenes, Linda is learning Pokemon because her sons got Pokemon cards as gifts. They've got Pokemon they fever. They have the Pokemon fever and it's only going to get worse when Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and or Pokemon Let's Go Eevee enters their home, which will happen likely on December 25th, 2018. There's um, a good chance because, of that. Because they're not dumb. Um, <laughs> and because, I mean, um, for, for sake of information, Linda, if you are going to do that, pre-order early, because I think that game's going to be hard to find. Um, okay. Um, especially if they like Pikachu. If you're going to get the Pikachu version, pre-order it now. Eevee, I think, will be easier to find. Um, but, yeah, pre-order. Pre-order now. Um, we, we're fighting in our house which one we're going to get. Um, and Maggie is insisting that we're going to get both. That's insanity. <laughs> she can live that delusion. It's fine. Yeah, that's insanity. I'm not really sure what we're going to do. Anyway, um, so um, so that's, that's, that's Wizard. Um, I think it's... I... I I'm excited about this game, and I haven't even played it yet. Um, we're going to play it at B-Fig, so stay tuned for now, because Linda and I will have much more, um, mm -hmm. and Jenna's going to play it too, um, so she, and she knows her card battling, so we're going to play this. We'll talk about it a lot after B-Fig. Um, that's like the first table we're going to. I'm actually going to reach out to them and set up an appointment, so we can just all just go all at once the minute we get there. Um so let's talk about Life Siphon. Speaking of games that have card battling in them, Life, Sabling is, Life Siphon is a Warlock game from uh, Lay Waste. They're the people that made Dragoon, which everyone knows. Uh, I am a huge Dragoon fan. Um, this is... Um, it, it's, it is very different from Dragoon. Um, this is intended to be a multiplayer uh, card and, and critter combat game. Um, the idea is it's played on a square board and players are battling um, to control a ley line. Um, and the person who win, who controls a ley, the ley line is the first person to kill an opponent. Now that is relevant because if you're playing four players on this board, you only attack the person to your left. You may not attack other people than the person to your left, which means, for example, if there are four people fighting... Um, and say Linda is directly to my left. I may attack Linda, but Linda may only be will only be able to attack the person on her left, which is not me. That will be one of our mutual opponents. What that means is it creates game states where I may have to help one of my opponents because I need to prevent the person to my left from killing them. Um, so it does create like this weird push and pull. Um, you create dudes. Um, the other thing is you start with 20 life points. That is a pretty good number. Here's the thing. Most spells cost life. So um, that's a lot. <laughs> um, so it's not a lot when you think about the amount of, um, you know, you, 
For example, you can create a Lich that costs four life points. That's a lot for one critter. Um, and then you're going to be drawing cards into your hand, some of which cost life to use. So, <clears throat> excuse me, um, it is the, the push and pull and like the spiral of chaos as the game progresses. It's super cool. Um, I This is going to hit Kickstarter probably later on this year, maybe early next year. I'm not sure exactly when they're planning on it. Um, this game is freaking amazing, <laughs> and it's not even done yet. Um, they don't even have final art. Um, I was playing on like stri you know strips of paper stuffed into magic card sleeves. Um, this is going to be a great game. Did you get a chance to play it, Linda? I didn't. Every time I went over, the table was full. Yeah, and that's kind of the point. So, that's kind of the point. It is always full. Um, this is yeah. one of those games, again, I can absolutely picture our kids playing this game. It ages down, um, and I suspect that once we get it, it will be in the board game rotation for quite some time. Absolutely. So They do good work. They do good work, man. Lay Waste does – they do a lot. We haven't even played Human Era. Which is their like not other not dragoon try and travel game. I was supposed to pick up a review copy while I was at um, uh, PAX Unplugged, but I never got a chance to um, because I'm dumb. So, um, so that's CT Fake. We played yeah. all. The there were other games there. I don't want to disrespect all of them. We just did not play them all um, because we were, you know, it was it, it was there was just a lot. Um, so, um, any closing thoughts? I think this was, it was a neat experience seeing this nestled into Kineticon. It was vastly different than last year's CT Fig, where that was just a standalone event. I think having it in the bigger convention was a really nice bonus. It brought in people that might not have had the opportunity to see these, these games in their various stages. Yeah. So I'm really glad that they have changed that part of it. It'll be interesting to see if that continues next year, if they found it successful. Um, yeah, I, I think, I mean, well, I know that they, um, I know that they are, I mean, I, it, it's definitely was more, more successful than when they had it at Tabletop Shop. Um, they I can only imagine because of the numbers. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many more people there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, I, I'm absolutely certain that this is going to be one of those. Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely going to happen again, um, unless there's some stuff behind the scenes that I don't really know about. But the numbers were bigger. Um, the only downside is that it's more expensive for people to exhibit as part of it. But um, I think that that comes with a cost. Uh, you know that that you know that cost comes with some benefits, so I don't know. We'll have to see. I don't yes, know. it'll be interesting to see how this what next year looks like. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so um, so that's CT Fig, and with that, I think uh, that is our show. So um, I'd like to thank everybody for listening to Engage a Family Gaming Podcast this week. Um, we hope you enjoyed listening. Uh, as much as we enjoyed recording, uh, we will be back next week. This time, we'll be talking about video games. Um, and in the meantime, though, it would be super sweet if you could head on over to iTunes or your favorite podcasting service, leave us a review. Um, something as simple as leaving a review um, 
will help make us more visible. Um, there's a lot of folks that will look at a podcast, see that it doesn't have a huge number of reviews, and will just move on. Um, so if you've been listening to us for a long time, um, I, I, I can only ask so much. Um, please, you know, head on over, uh, give us, leave us a review, positive or otherwise. Um, if it's negative, though, please uh, reach out to us and let us know why. Um, and so that is ask number one. Second, I come to you hat in hand to ask one more thing. Every single one of us knows one person that we think should listen to this podcast. One person. Um, I would ask you, please, um, find this uh, as posted either on our podcast page or on our Facebook page uh, when it goes live or on our Twitter. Take that link and share it with one other person be it a coworker, somebody you see at the park, I don't know. Um, if all of us that listen to this show the podcast to one more person um, every week, every couple of weeks, um, it will help exponentially because you know we just want to grow our audience because as our audience grows, Linda and I get to do um, more interesting things for you. Um, so we get to give you better access, we get bigger games, etc. So um, thank you very much for listening, folks. Um, this has been an awesome week. We'll see you next time. Um, and until then, this is Steven and Linda reminding you to get your family game on. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Engage, a family gaming podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week.